Every day, you have to learn how to operate in forgiveness. Because somebody going to offend you. You may not offend you today, but give a few more days. Somebody's going to do something to offend you. And you got to make up your mind. I'm going to have a make a conscious decision. I'm not going to hold this person in bondage. And, and they did me wrong. They did me wrong. Yeah, they did me wrong. But yet, if God can forgive them, so can I. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound Broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Billerica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 6. The book of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 6. While you're turning, we thank God for all of you being here today and we certainly appreciate the Holy Spirit that's about to that's been ministering to us and will continue to minister to us as well. Matthew chapter 9 verse 6 reads as follows, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Based on that, I want to talk to you from this topic, power to forgive sins, power to forgive sins. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the word of God. I pray that the word of God will minister, continue to minister to your people, Father. Lord, you've already, you've been ministering, you've been uh, healing, you've been delivering, you've been protecting, you've been destroying yokes and removing burdens and giving us the ability to get the job done. Father, we pray you'll continue to do that through your word, Father. And Father, we love you today and thank you for these precious believers who come to hear a word from you. We are hungry and we are thirsty for your word and your ways, God. And Father, we thank you for the direction you're going to give us. Thank you for the alignment and adjustment you have allowed to take place in our life so we may be in agreement with the written and revealed word of God. And Father, we bind the enemy, cast them out, plead your blood over these precious believers and we thank you God for everyone that's listening everyone who is that's going to receive a word today not only going to receive we're going to put this into action in Jesus name we pray amen and thank you Lord as we continue in our teaching and continue to build our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his written and revealed word the Holy Spirit has been teaching us that, first of all, that God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and discerner of the faults and the intent of the heart. So again, God's word is living, it's active, it's fresh, it is strong, and it is mighty, and it's powerful. It's operative, it's effective, and it is effectual. And sharp any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerner of the faults and the intents of the heart. His word is also intentional. It's intentional and effective, according to Isaiah 55 and verse 11. So let's go to Isaiah 55 and verse 11. The book of Isaiah 55 and verse 11. 
The Bible reads as follows. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It should not return to me void, but it should accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Again, his word, his commandments, his sayings that goes forth from his mouth, it should not return to him void. It's not going to be empty or without effect, but it's going to accomplish. It's going to produce. It's going to prepare something. It's going to work on something, whatever he pleases for it to do, and it's going to prosper. It's going to bring about success. It's going to cause things to be better in the area that he sent it to. So, therefore, we must believe in the word of God. It's, it, we got to believe in it. And it's up to us to have a faith, to trust, and reliability on his written and revealed word for change to take better in our lives. Therefore, the centurion soldier received healing uh, for his servant when he, Jesus said, when he told Jesus to speak the word only. He was confident that his servant would be healed. And the servant was healed in that self-same hour. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. Look at that real quickly. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. And the Bible reads as follows. Now, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who follow, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. They will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to Centurion, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. That's powerful to me. That's powerful. That's why we must continue to become an expert and effective witness of Jesus based on Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Again, we want to be an expert and effective witness for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, based on his word. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 reads as follows. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And again, he said you shall receive power. You're going to receive strength, ability, might, as well as know-how when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses, a representative and a resemblance of me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We like to say here in Billerucky and Carrollton and, and Noonan and Hiram and, and wh- wherever you are, you're going to be an effective witness. And again, real briefly, I want to go over the nine character traits of an effective witness for Jesus Christ. Again, effective means we're going to be a successful, productive, and a fruitful witness for Christ. 
One, confidence. Confidence in Jesus, his word, and his way of doing things. Consistency. Steadiness. The same like-minded attitude about Christ when it comes to repentance, forgiveness, compassion, love, prayer, giving, and so forth. An effective communicator. We must know how to be persuasive and productive when we tell our testimony and share God's word in a manner that is receptive and responsible. Tell a matter, tell the story and or tell what God has said in a manner that paints the right picture. Pay attention to details. I must pray that God will teach me how to pay attention and notice minus details about people, the message, and how the message is received. Because we understand that details matter. Number five, trustworthiness. A person who is honest and truthful, responsible and reliable. Truthful to myself, truthful to my God, and truthful to others. Experience. A person who has knowledge and insight by direct observation and participation. And students of the word of God with advanced knowledge. A fruitful witness is a student of the word and will challenge the thinking of others. Agreement. To be together in one accord and in harmony with Jesus. I'm in agreement with the word of God as well as alignment. In a straight line, arranged relative to what Jesus is speaking and doing. A good witness that walks by faith and not by sight. That uh, that continues to operate in what Jesus is saying. If I'm not aligned, I just to be in line. Now, last week we learned about forgiveness and faith and the condition that caused forgiveness and faith to be released. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and verse 15. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and verse 15. For if you give men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. For if you forgive, if you release, if you let go, if you forgive men their trespasses, their errors, their um, intentional as well as unintentional mistakes and errors, your heavenly father will also forgive you. For if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And again, we define forgiveness as being a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group of people, regardless of what I think they, whether or not I think they deserve it or not. Remember, it's not about them, it's about me. I must make a decision to forgive. If I have to, if I have ill feelings or past hurts and so much, I gotta let them go. Unforgiveness is an emotional state of mind and mental distress that results from a delayed response to forgive others. In other words, you make up your mind, I don't want to forgive them. That's just what you say. I don't want to do that. But unforgiveness traits are bitterness, anger, resentment, and demand for punishment and restitution. I want you to get them back, but I want you to get them back on my terms. <laughs> Woo, glory be to God. How do I know when I or someone else is operating on forgiveness? Anger and bitterness. It's the myth, anger and bitterness. Remember, anger and bitterness is a trait of an individual operating in unforgiveness. It's in their mind it, that they think that it, that, um, whether it's a family member, a sibling, or so forth, they don't want to let them go. They don't want to, they want them to get punished. Whether it's their parents, their marriage, somebody at work, somebody at church, or so forth. They get so wrapped up in the wrong that they, 
that others have done to them or they think that's done to them, that I cannot enjoy the blessings and benefits that God is constantly providing for me. I'm so focused on behind me, I'm missing what's in front of me. You always know when people are operating on forgiveness, they're always talking about it. What this person done, what they did and what they done. No, move on. Move on. Only person talking about it is you. Keep moving forward. If you really operate in unforgiveness, you got to let that stuff go. I can become depressed or anxious. And unforgiveness can bring about depression or anxiousness. They begin to be odds with God and others that represent or resemble them. Unforgiveness will destroy a person if they don't be honest with themselves and allow First John 1 and 9 to operate in their lives. Let's go to First John 1 and 9. First John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, again, if we confess, if we admit, if we declare that I'm guilty, I did it wrong, he is faithful. He can be trusted and relied on and just. He's faithful and just. He's faithful and just to forgive us, to to forgive us, to let it go, to keep it no longer, to release us from our sins. When we violate the word of God, when we transgress the word of God, and to cleanse us, to purify and and purge us from all unrighteousness. See, unforgiveness fails to solve our problems. It only acts as a poison in our mind, will, and emotions. And a poison can be defined as a toxin, something that causes an illness or even death. Unforgiveness can cause toxin or like an illness to operate in your body. Therefore, you must make a choice. We must make a choice to daily forgive those, amen, around us as well as ourselves. See, forgiveness says my decision must be a conscious decision to let people go from years ago, things that happened as a child, things that happened in my teenage years, past relationships, things that happened before I accepted Christ, things that happened after I accepted Christ. You just got to let that stuff go. Let it go. No doubt Jesus understood the power of forgiveness that caused healing and wholeness in our lives inwardly as well as outwardly as we'll see in today's text. So let's go back over to Matthew chapter 9, looking at starting at verse 1. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 1. So he got, he, he being Jesus, got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. So we see here that Jesus is in the boat. He's going to cross over some, some, a body of water, and he has came into his own city. See, Jesus was, was on another missionary journey. He was committed to sharing the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we see here in the next verse how the men of, or the men in this particular section or what he's about to encounter, how they reacted to him. So we see here, oh, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2, which reads as follows. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. So notice this. They brought to him a individual who was a paralytic. He was paralyzed. He was disabled. He was weak at limb. And they brought him lying on a bed. So it doesn't say how many it were, but these individuals brought 
a paralytic to Jesus. So when they did that, they're saying in themselves, and this is what I read when y'all look at something like this, is that I believe you got the power to heal this person who is paralytic. It takes faith, it takes belief, it takes confidence in God to get a person who is disabled to the point they're confined in a bed with limited or any movement, and then you say, God, I believe you can help this person. And so when a person's paralyzed, they're generally partially or wholly incapable of movement. So to pick the person up, they picked him up, and then they took him to Jesus. They had compassion for the paralytic. They had love as well as empathy for the person they were carrying. And see, empathy is being able to see yourself in a situation and respond in a way that that causes people to say, hey, you know what? If I was in this situation, I would do the same thing for somebody else. Because, if listen, I want to be empathetic for the person I'm dealing with. They didn't even try to change the man's situation. Notice he was lying in the bed. They just bought him a paralytic in the bed. Notice I can't change him, but I know somebody who can change him. And at times we must be willing and eager to bring people to Jesus, to his church, to his word, and not wait for them to come. We, they might not have the strength or the ability to get there. Our goal is to bring them to Jesus and let Jesus change them. Because we believe he got the power to change them, change their situation, change their circumstance, just like he changed us. He changed our life for the better. And if God can change you and your situation, you know he can change your neighbor and the person that is in that situation. Notice when they saw Jesus, when they saw, they observed. Notice when Jesus, I should say, saw their faith. When he observed and experienced their faith, their trust, their conviction in, in him, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. They've been let go. They've been released. We're not keeping them any longer. I like that the fact that when Jesus saw their faith, and I thought about this for a moment because I almost looked at it from the standpoint they just saw the person who was being carried faith. But also, not only the person who's being carried faith, but they all, the paralytic was also in that mix. So not only was the people that was carrying him, he saw their faith, he saw the paralytic faith. And sometimes people can have faith, but not have the ability to carry it out like they want to. And I appreciate people who will help people who can help, got faith, but they might need a little help with their faith. And you ain't live long enough till you need a little help with your faith. Yo, yeah, that's why we come to church each and every week, because we need a little help with our faith. We need a little help believing God. We need a little help believing him for what's going on in our life. And he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. They have been released. We're not keeping them any longer. See, notice how Jesus reacted to their actions of faith. Faith in God pleases God and causes a reaction to happen. Just like we read a little early in Luke 6 and 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. When you got, when he sees your faith and he sees you giving like that, you can look for a blessing to take place in your life. How many agree with that? You look for a blessing to take place in your life. 
He saw their faith. He saw the men's conviction of the truth as it relates to God and his written and revealed word. See, our actions publicly as well as privately reveal a lot about what's on the inside of us. See, Jesus is observing us and those around us. Jesus saw what was operating in these men and what behaviors and actions that was manifested through them. Because of their faith, their belief in God, their belief in his written and revealed word, belief in what God can do for their life, action took place. Something took place. Does God see my faith? Does he see my conviction? Does he see my confidence? Does he see me consistently carrying out his word? Does he see me giving? Does he see me praying? Does he see me witnessing? Does he see me carrying out the word of God? And all do I ask myself the question, but does God see your faith as well? Does he see you loving when you don't feel like loving? Does he see you uh, walking by faith when things don't look like they you could, should walk by faith? Does he see you doing his word even when things are not going well? I love that testimony that she gave earlier. That's a sign of a faith walker. That's faith walker. So notice the latter part of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, son, be of good cheer. Your sons, your sins are forgiving you. Notice Jesus saw the action of the man. He spoke to the paralytic. Jesus' tone and demeanor was personal, encouraging, comforting, and a source of strength. He said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiving you. They have been released. You've been let them go. In other words, be happy, be optimistic, be of good courage. Take comfort in knowing that change is about to take place inwardly as well as outwardly. See, we see how Jesus ministered to the inward illness before ministering to the physical condition. Yes, the man was stuck, stuck and not able to move out of the bed in the physical. However, is it possible that the man was stuck mentally? emotionally and spiritually with unforgiveness and he couldn't move from that place in his mind was he not only stuck physically but was he also stuck mentally unforgiveness can get us stuck in the past stuck in our perception of people stuck in thinking about these people the way that we used to think about them when God has moved on, can you imagine when Peter was getting ready to go minister in Cornelius' house? But before he went, God had to pull him aside. Hey, you got the wrong attitude going over there, talking to them. You got that old mindset when you go talking to them. You got, listen, you're operating in a place I can't really use you. So God had to deal with his mind. So in turn, he would no longer be stuck in that old mindset. He had to be, get God's mind concerning this situation, concerning the Gentiles, concerning uh, Cornelius' house. And so when he changed Peter, Peter could effectively minister to Cornelius' house. And sometimes you can get stuck in what you think about people, think about other race of people, think about what you, what you, other people are thinking about you. Let me say this, you can get caught up in social media or the news and think everybody's life, what they try to tell you on the news. News just want to sell, uh, advertising space. And they will tell you anything to get you to buy advertising space. And some will fall for any, like, what they say is always true. Let me say this. I've learned over the years. You got to listen. Be a faith walker and believe the word over you believe over social media and the news and everything else. You got to believe what God says and fall in line with that. Because if not, you could be stuck in unforgiveness. 
And unforgiveness is real. It can hinder us from growing in God and glowing in God. Man, sin is real. Regardless if we have confessed Jesus Lord and Savior, thinking about confessing him as Lord and Savior, or have been saved for a number of years. And sin can be defined as missing the mark, wandering from the path of God, violating God's written and revealed word, and doing what a uh, practicing sin. See, practicing sin separates you from God. Repent and change your actions. Repent and change your actions. See, we see immediately that Jesus dealt with the sin before dealing with the healing. That, to me, is the power of forgiveness. We need God's power in our lives every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We need him to forgive us. We need him we need to forgive ourselves, and we need to forgive others. That's going to be every day. Every day, you have to learn how to operate in forgiveness. Because somebody's going to offend you. You may not offend you today, but give a few more days. Somebody's going to do something to offend you. And you got to make up your mind. I'm going to have a, make a conscious decision. I'm not going to hold this person in bondage. And, and they did me wrong. They did me wrong. Yeah, they did me wrong. But yet, if God can forgive them, so can I. You know something I learned about sin, though, when I was studying this? I thought it was very, very interesting to me. And, I, and, and you may already know this, but it, 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 it kind of threw me. I didn't say it threw me, but it caused me to think a little bit. I realized when Jesus said, I forgive your sins, that all, he is the one that was sinned against. And if anybody got a right to forgive sins, it's him. Can you imagine? Jesus Every sin that's committed is really against him either directly or indirectly. We violate. We, how do we even know we're violating God's word if it's not against him? And so when he says, I forgive you, he got the right to forgive. He's the one who gave the law. And if he wants to forgive somebody, that's his choice. That's his choice. I said, God, you know what? I, I'm trying to hold on to folks that violated me but listen you you've been violated time and time again and you forgive people every day every day every day god even some people that he has that came to him and has not even repented totally yet god still has mercy on their soul i said god if you can do that who am i to hold somebody in unforgiveness I said, really, they violated you. Because many times we get so caught up in the violation of people that we forget about the violation of God. You got to learn how. Listen, be more God conscious than you are people conscious. Be more God conscious than you are people conscious. God, what am I doing to violate you? And if I'm offending my brother or my sister, I'm so sorry, God. I didn't mean to do that. Please help me to do what's right, God. Because I want to be right with you first and then help me to get right with others. Are y'all seeing that? It's violating God's law. So now we have to strive to be effective witnesses of God's forgiving power. So that people will know that regardless of their situation, God is able to forgive them and make them whole. Oh, thank you, God, for making us whole this morning. Oh, thank you for dealing in our hearts this morning. Because I know he's dealing with all of our hearts in the sanctuary. Because you know that when, we come, when it comes to forgiveness, we have to be real about this thing. 
and wonder, hey, am I really holding a person, a person being forgiven? Have I really forgiven them? Or is it something that I, I said it, but I really haven't consciously forgiven them yet? But then again, how many times has God forgiven us? Even though he knows. Let me tell you something. One thing about God, God knows every detail and he still forgives you. Where, and some people only know part about what they went through and sometimes we'll hold them in bondage. You got to learn how to forgive, y'all. And, and, and this is the goal to Pastor Dobbs too. So I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself as well. And as faith walkers, we must get busy finding the people who are stuck in this situation inwardly and outwardly and bring them to Jesus. Now, as we go, we must be prepared that everyone will not be happy to see others blessed, receive better, or be made whole. And the mindset of unhappiness and pessimism and bitterness may be in the church as well as outside the church. They would rather sit in the seat of judgment and criticize rather than rejoice and send up praises for our God for his miracle working power. Let's look at, let me show you to you in Matthew chapter 9 verse 3. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. At once some of the scribes said within themselves. You know what's powerful to me about this? Nobody said nothing, but at least scribes mean more than one, two, three, four, five, however, walked in agreement, this man blasphemes. Y- y'all missed that. Stay with me. Stay with me. They said nothing, but they agreed. Scribes thought within themselves, let's say me and this person here are scribes. We look at the situation, what's going on, and we just both say, this man blasphemed. But we don't say it out loud. That person said, this person said. They said within themselves, this man blasphemed. I thought that was powerful. They said nothing, but yet they agree. This to me shows me that sometimes you can be in a situation where you're in agreement with somebody who's evil and you ain't even said anything yet. You haven't even said anything yet. Because they said this, this man blasphemed. He speaks evil. He, he's railing at this situation. Notice these scribes. They had some internal conflicts and conversations that they were not there to celebrate Jesus, but to criticize Jesus. And they never said anything. I don't know if they faced it. Well, they didn't really have to say anything because Jesus is in the midst, right? Because he knows our thoughts. He knows our intentions. They sit there. They look at. They may not have said nothing, but God knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts. And this is the thing you got to understand. I don't even know. They, excuse me, if the people who brought the paralytic or the paralytic even knew, knew what the scribes were thinking. But they in the midst get ready to learn a valuable lesson about what's going on here. And so we see here, uh, hmm. let's first of all, before we go further, let's talk about the scribes for a moment. The scribes were people who were versed and learned in the Mosaic law. They were versed in the sacred writings of the Mosaic law. And they were also well-known teachers, interpreters, and religious leaders of that particular day. They were also, but they had some eternal issues. And let me say this to you. They knew Moses' law. And the Mosaic law would consider the five first, the first five books of the Bible. 
I'm going to read them to you just so you know what they are. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They were experts, quote-unquote, at that particular law. But just because you're an expert at the law don't mean you can interpret it properly according to Scripture. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying now? Just because you're studying don't mean you know exactly how it should be carried out. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Now, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 20, verse, hold you, hold, coming back here, Luke chapter 20, verse 46 through 47. Luke 20, 46 through 47. Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. Notice how Jesus told us to respond to them. He said, beware of them. Be attentive and take heed of the scribes and the Pharisees. the scribes. In the latter part of verse 47, these will receive greater condemnation or greater judgment. Jesus will clear how to deal with the scribes. He did not tell us to rebuke them, cast them out, or judge them being mean or hateful to them. He simply said, be aware, be attentive, and take heed. In other words, don't fall for their rhetoric. Don't go for it. But don't be in a situation where you're rebuking them because he said, Lily, beware. They're going to get their judgment. They are going to get their judgment. Now, we shouldn't follow them. But I got to be aware of them. And there's people out there you should be aware of, but don't follow them. Different religions, different individuals who have a different slant on the scriptures, even though they can be reading to you like the scribes were, Genesis, Exodus, and so forth, but yet they have a different interpretation of scripture. They can read. They can, they can, they can read. Isaiah and try to tell you some different stuff about it, but it's really not according with the word of God. There's a certain group right now that, that can quote scripture almost by as good as I can, but yet it's motivated out of hate instead of love. And you got to know the difference because tonight you say, oh, they came from the Bible, but yet it, the spirit of God would tell you, hey, beware of them. Don't follow them. Don't take heed to them because they're not in line with God, what God has for our lives. So the scribes challenged Jesus with that mind and that same mindset would try to challenge us. And let me say this, see, is that the scripture manifesting itself. We need to pray that the spirit of the scribes are not operating in us or in God's church. See, the scribes were not happy with Jesus and his proclamation over the man's life. Notice their bones in the text, in 9 and 3. And, the, and it's one, excuse me, the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. They were inwardly rebuking Jesus. And let me say this. I've been, I've lived long enough that you can be talking to people, but inwardly they would be rebuking you. I ain't got nothing to listen to nothing they got to say. They can smile on your face and be like, I don't even like you. They can be looking at you, and if the Holy Spirit don't show you, you'll think they like you. You'll think you walk away in agreement. Well, really, you're walking away in disagreement. That's why you have to discern and be led by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is so powerful. 
That's why Jesus is so powerful in this text, because he, he is an all-knowing God. He, he knows everything. He's the ultimate screener of our faults and intentions. He will check us in prayer, in his word, and he will use people to check us too as well. It's up, uh, up, to, it's up to us to receive that Holy Ghost checkpoint. And when we do, repent and get back in right standing with God. But notice in Matthew 9 and 4, but Jesus, knowing the thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Notice God sets the standard for evil. Not man, not an organization, but when God says it's evil, it's evil. And what standard do you use? His standard. If God says it's evil, it's evil. I don't question it. I don't get upset with it. I just say, okay, God, if you say it's evil, it's evil. I'm not going to try to fight you, God. Well, it seemed okay to me. No, if God says it's evil, it's evil. If God says it's wicked, it's wicked. If God said it goes against his word, it goes against his word. If God said it's, it's not, it's an annoyance or in, not in line with his word, then it's not in line with his word. He said, why do you think evil falls? And notice they haven't said anything, and it, and it knows how what Jesus said here. Why do you think, not say, evil false? Why do you think evil false? And I'm asking myself, okay, God, if He knows they thinking evil false, what about the time we thinking evil false? What about the time where we're maybe looking at advice, talking to somebody, or hearing something and saying, you know what? The thoughts are not in line with God's word. But isn't it good to know you can repent and get that right? Oh, y'all ain't never had to repent of thinking evil thoughts. Oh, thank y'all. Pray for me then. I know I need Jesus. Well, I've talked to folks. And by the time I finished talking to them, my thoughts had got evil. Even though I said, okay, well, thank you so much. And hung up the phone. Or, you know, customer service rep didn't tell what I wanted to hear. I'm thinking evil thoughts. I had to repent. I had to repent. And I've had to repent too. I mean, you know, if people tell you what you don't want to hear, you got to care where your thoughts take you. Thank y'all for the four-way man. Keep on, keep stay with me. I'm going to get you there. You got to be careful if you do not like what you're hearing, not to let your thoughts go evil because that's where God will check you. You know why he says don't let them go evil? Because out of your heart come evil Thoughts, but what are evil thoughts? Evil actions. He don't want you to have evil actions coming out of your heart. So therefore, he says, check your heart, get your heart right. And even if people are saying stuff, you don't like it, just saying, Lord, help me to brace through this, through this part right here. Because I don't like what they're saying, but I don't need to have evil thoughts about them. Because after a while, you'll start not only uh, e- evil actions, but your evil, your words will become evil as well. Your words will become evil. So we got to watch what we're thinking. So he says, why do you think evil thoughts? Jesus asked the scribe the question, why do you think evil in your hearts? See, why gets to the root of a problem or issue? When we're asking questions, we must consider what? What said, what allows us to ask for information? When? Allows us to get details of on the time or day. Where? Gives us insight on location. And why? Gives us the reason or purpose for the action. See, we need to take Jesus' example and ask questions and others more why questions. Ask the Holy Spirit directs. Because there's some people you can start asking them why, it'll take you down a dark path you don't need to go. 
But as the Holy Spirit leads, ask him why. Ask him why. Why is this, that, and the other in your life? Why do I think the way that I do? Why do I respond to my sister or brother the way that I do? Why do I even struggle to go to church? Why do I struggle to study scripture? Why do I have a hard time witnessing to others? Why do I have a hard time uh, focusing on God's written and revealed word? I can focus on everything else, but when it comes to the word, I have a problem with that. Why can I watch a two-hour or three-hour movie and not even go to the bathroom, but here I am, 15 minutes in the word of God, and I, I can't even focus right. Why? Why? And sometimes you got to ask yourself the question, why, in order to confront what's going on with you, so in turn, you can get better. Sometimes I ask the question, why? Why do you, why do you go to gym this week? Thank y'all for the four-way man. Why didn't I go work out this week? Why? I know I said, well, why didn't I? Okay, let me take it a little deeper. Why didn't I pray this week? Why didn't I study the word of God like I said I was? Why haven't I watched 14 shows this week, but not none of them are spiritual? Why have I did this, that, and the other? Why is it that everybody else is giving my time except Jesus? Why? Why am I allowing the world to distract me more than God, than me spending time with God? Why? Why do I do certain things? And I like this part here. Um, There's no way it says, why do you think evil in your hearts? This was an opportunity for the scribes to repent. This was a time for them to say, hey, you know what, Jesus, you're right. I should not be thinking like this. Teach me how to think. Notice what, no, teach me how to think in the proper manner that pleases you. Because notice what, how Jesus declared their thoughts, evil. If they're evil, then God said, hey, you think of some evil thoughts. Evil thoughts lead to evil actions. Repent. Repent. That's why we need scriptures like Philippians 2 and 5. Let's go to Philippians 2 and 5. Philippians 2 and 5 reads as follows. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I need the thinking, the talking, the actions of Christ. I need those thoughts. I need for that to be in me. I need the mind of Christ. Romans 12 and 2. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12 and 2 reads as follows. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I need my mind to be transformed, renovated, and rebuilt. This was what was happening in the scribes' life. They needed their mind transformed. No longer evil faults, but godly faults. And when they find out it was evil, they say, hey, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Let me get the mind of Christ. Then Jesus brings up a question in Matthew chapter 9, verse 5. For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk? (laughs) Now, for us, I have a question. But for Jesus, no problem whatsoever. What's easy? Without great effort. Your sins are forgiven you or say arise and walk. 
Jesus moves from asking a why question to asking a which question. When we ask the question which, we're asking and are trying to determine something. Jesus asked the scribes to determine uh, which is easier without great effort. Your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk. Interesting because it was evident the paralytic on the, on the bed was bound and confined to a certain place outwardly. But since Jesus dealt with forgiveness of sins, it's possible that he was bound and confined inwardly, but now he was loose. He was loose. Because why? When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, hey, it was over then. Y'all know as soon as Jesus made that statement, it was over. It was no more. His sins are forgiven you. His sins were, were gone. See, Jesus heals, he delivers, he protects, and he prospers us, body, soul, and spirit. And see, the, the scribes had a problem with what would free the man inwardly, the forgiveness of sins. How can he forgive sins? Well, actually, the one who you offended is the one who can forgive. That's how he can forgive. Now, we think about the little stuff happened to us, but think about everything that was done wrong was done against him. That's why Jesus took on the sins of the world back in Calvary. Because he took the responsibility of everybody's sin and he took it with him and they nailed him to the cross. He was buried and he got back up. But remember, he got back up with no sins on him. He got back up with no sins on him. Thank you, Father, for doing that. Thank you for doing that, Jesus. Oh, I appreciate you doing that. Now, I couldn't have done that for myself because, you know, man can't really get rid of their own sin. We need the blood of Jesus and the power of, of repentance to help us. And you ever know, um, well, this before you got saved, uh, uh, but before you got saved, stuff you thought you got rid of, you really didn't get rid of like you thought. But God has power and to help us to forgive ourselves as well as others. Now, what's greater? Jesus healed the man inwardly by releasing him of his sins. And thank God he released him. Because let me tell you something. You can walk around free all day long but still be bound in your spirit. And every time uh, he wandered from God and his word of saying, saying to this man, arise and walk, healing him Outwardly. So he healed him inwardly and he healed him outwardly, in other words. He healed him when he asked, said, forgive him some sin, and healed him when he says, arise and walk. Jesus, the master teacher, teacher of all things, the influence of the miracle worker is clear on his approach. Jesus ministered the man the way that he did to teach the scribes and others who were watching a valuable lesson. He wanted to know how much power and authority he had in heaven and of course, right now on earth. He wanted them to know that the hand of God backing him to heal the man inwardly and outwardly. Notice how what Jesus declared to everyone the power he has here on earth in Matthew chapter 9 verse 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed. And go to your house. Those Matthew 9 and 6. That you may know. I already know. And this is what we got to know. We got to know that Jesus has power on earth to forgive sins. 
not only to forgive sins, but also to heal as well. And what, what we're looking at, the man was healed inwardly as well as outwardly. And God can, is doing the same thing today. He's healing people inwardly and he's healing people outwardly. He's healing people in their spirit. He's healing with their mind, will, and emotions. And he's also healing our bodies physically. There's no sickness, no disease that God can't heal you of. No sickness, no disease that God can't heal you of. Because he wants you to understand. He wants you to pay attention and get some learning here that the Son of Man got power, authority, jurisdiction, as well as godly permission on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise! Woo, glory be to God. Raise up! Take up your bed and go to your house. Interesting. If the man didn't need the bed anymore, why is he telling him to take his bed to his house? Interesting question, ain't it? Well, it is to me. It may not be to you. Because, you know, if I don't need something no more, I'm dumping it. It is gone. Bye-bye. But sometimes God wants you to carry something with you to let people know, hey, this is what I delivered them from. This is what I delivered them from. Because, you know, sometimes you be like, oh, that looked like so-and-so. You remember? Because he was confined to the bed. Oh, I remember the bed. That bed was that nice, that nice wood panel and all that good stuff. Uh, but now they're going to say, okay, that's him. Because he that's the same bed I saw him lying in. That's the same bed I saw him lying in. That's the same thing I saw him doing. So now he's going to be a witness to the healing power of Jesus. Not only that, they may know, but everybody that the paralytic goes and tells are going to know about the healing power of Jesus. Not only outwardly healing him of his physical ailment, but also healing him of his mental ailment as well. Remember, you got power. He has power to forgive sins. See, forgiveness brings us closer to God. And unforgiveness can separate, it will separate you from God. Look at the miracles. The man, they see him coming to God, and, and God is telling him, the paralyzed man, be healed. Be healed. But not only telling him be healed physically, but healed mentally as well as physically. And then Matthew 9, verse 7. And he arose and departed to his house. Notice, he went to the house carrying the bed that they carried him on. Remember, he was carried by four. Oh, excuse me, by some men. We don't know how many. He was carried by some men. Now, the very bed that they brought him in, he carried that same bed back by himself. Woo-hoo-wee. That's powerful right there. But it's powerful right there. I mean, listen, and this is the same Jesus, amen, when he saw the man, people were carrying him. See, therefore, you can't come to Jesus and expect to leave the same way. When you truly come to Jesus, you should expect to leave a different way that you came in. Now, this is what you need to understand. You may look like you're the same on the outside, but inwardly, you're going to be different. You're going to be closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. Your, your way you think, the way you talk, and the way you act, it's going to be different. Why? Because people are going to know you've been with Jesus. 
Because why? You're going to be carrying that, carrying that old stuff back with you. Carrying it. No, it ain't no longer carrying you. You carrying it. Oh, y'all missed that. See, the unforgiveness is no longer carrying him. He's carrying it now. He used it as a tool instead of the, the, the unforgiveness using him. Oh, this is a testimony because you know what he told me first? He said, my sins are forgiven me. I, I, I don't know how he knew all that because I didn't tell him nothing. But God knows everything, y'all. God knows everything. And the very thing that he used to carry him, the very thing that he used to carry him in, he's carrying that on with him now. And he told him to go back. Notice what he told him to go back to your house. Your house. Your house. House represents where he came from. In other words, you got an opportunity to tell those where you came from about the healing power of Jesus. How the healing power of our king. The healing power. Not only did he heal me physically, but he healed me mentally as well. I'm whole now, y'all. I came in bound, but I'm free, body, soul, and spirit. Because God has the power to forgive sins. Amen. Stand to your feet. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.